0: Couple of little disclaimers. If I swear, uh, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to try to watch my mouth. Uh, I have a tendency to get a little fired up, and if I if I do swear, I want to apologize for that, guys. We're going to talk about steps two and three a little bit, and really, uh, I'm going to talk about my experience with the book and with those two steps, guys. I just want you to be sure you ask yourself about what your experience is with steps two and three and some of the spiritual stuff we're going to get into. Kind of how I'm going to do this. I'm going to do about a few minutes just kind of qualify, let you guys kind of know a little bit about me and, and let you guys know that I'm a, I'm a hopeless kind of dope fiend and then we're going to just kind of fall right into it. So I hope everybody's okay with that. Uh, let's see here. I, uh, I got a chance to travel with my sponsor and his wife. It was kind of fun. I love traveling with Patty. She's a She's great. She's from uh, New York. She's uh, a little different uh, than what we're used to in Texas. And, and I, like, I like traveling with her because she's not afraid to hand out ass-eating. If somebody needs her butt chewed, Patty will definitely do it. We're we'd circling Atlanta. There was a storm, and we circle it about two or three times, and we get down to the ground. I kind of glance back over my shoulder, and she goes, We're going to have to run. So I said, All right. So anyhow, I, get, I fall in there behind them. And, you know, I was a linebacker in high school, so I just kind of fell in there behind Chris and Patty. Shoot, I started whipping through there. I ran over two little old ladies in a rascal scooter and one of those freaking Harry eyes in the damn airport. I mean, they were just going, and I just ducked my old head and just kept on going. But we had us a big time, and we finally got here last night, so uh, it was, it's always fun traveling with those guys. i tell you what, I'm from a little bitty town. It's about this big, right? It was 70 miles one way to the nearest Walmart, okay? And I'll tell you how I know that, because I had to go to Walmart and buy some surveillance equipment to rig up on the outside of the saddle shed where I was doing dope so I could go camera one, camera two, porn, camera one. <laughs> Let me tell you all something now. Y'all may be drug addicts like I'm a drug addict, but I'm an old methamphetamine addict. I get to go on real fast. There's some weird shit that kind of happens sometimes. You kind of have to roll with it, but... So, like I said, I was raised in a little bitty town, and I kind of remember my first drink, but what I really do remember is I remember the first time I smoked a joint. Right? I remember the first time I smoked weed, and I was sitting in the middle of a pickup, and I'd hit that joint every time they put a... So, I was double, I was double-toking. Boy, I was just getting it the first time, and and I smoked weed every chance I got after that. But what I really remember in my mind more than anything else is the first time I did crystal methamphetamine, Right? And it talks about in the book, I had arrived. I did a big old line of that paint dope, Boo! I was able to drink all night long. I could talk. I could do all this stuff. Regulated my alcohol use. Christian was talking about playing home chemistry set with your brain, and I got an opportunity to kind of do that. I'd get a little, going a little bit too fast, and i drink a little whiskey kind of taper off and do a little more. And so, <clears throat> guys, I, and I did that a lot. I mean, by the time I was a senior in high school, I had a fifth of whiskey under the seat of my pickup, and I would go out in between classes and pulls on that alcohol, not to get drunk, but to get Right? Okay, just to function, because alcohol fixed what was wrong with me. Alcohol, the combination of alcohol and methamphetamines really fixed what was wrong with me. Right? Um, I, I rocked along through there. <clears throat> went went to a little bitty uh, college. Had a little rodeo scholarship to a little place. Uh, let, me, let me back up just for a second. So, <clears throat> my parents. My mother is a black sheep daughter of a Church of Christ preacher, and my dad is a. Uh, is, comes from a big Catholic ranching family, right? So he's kind of like a redneck guy, right? Country, gun-toting, right-wing, you know, redneck guy. And my mom's like a tie-dye-wearing, peace-loving, beatneck hippie, right? So I got a ponytail and a belt buckle, right? I got beads and feathers and cowboy boots, right? So that's like my whole, I got this big dichotomy going on in my whole life. And I asked my old man once, I said, how did you, y'all are so different. How did y'all? And he said, oh, it was the 70s, Right? I have no idea what that means. Come to find out, once I start to try to get sober, they had, they had hooked up in AA. So I'm the product of a 13th step gone completely wrong. Right? They say that if you have one parent that's an alcoholic, you've got a 60% chance. Of, I had 120% chance of being an alcoholic and drug addict. So, you know, and I, the, what? I, luckily I was exposed to AA real early in my life. Uh, I went to Alateen. Anybody ever go to Alateen? I did that, right? So they say you either pass Alateen and go on to Al-Anon or you fail and you end up in Alcoholics Anonymous, right? And you could tell us in the groups, right? We used to do this thing called Ask It Basket. Y'all know what that is? Some BS kind of deal. But anyways, we would write down these questions, right, and drop them in the basket. And we were doing stuff. You know, we were a little old, 13 year old. Who's bend over and what's he got to do with AA, right? And just like, you know. And the little facilitator, she'd look at those and just glare at us in the back of the room. Fast forward 20 years, I'm in treatment. We're doing ask it basket. I'm writing who's bend over. What? Well, 20 years later, I'm doing the same shit. I don't change from the time I'm 13 till I'm 30. You know, I'm doing the same stuff. I'm acting like a fool. Anyway, I end up going to college, meet a little old gal there, like you're supposed to, and uh, and that kind of stuff fixed. It started to fix what was wrong with me. She did. Right? I was able to kind of taper off and stop using, made the dean's list. I mean, literally, it's amazing what you can do if you go to class. Some stuff happened between me and her. She left, and I just fell right back off in it, and I, and I found the needle when I was about uh, my, the beginning of my sophomore year in college. Um, needless to say, I did not finish my sophomore year in college um, because that took me to a place that was, that was dark, and I, was, I did things that I never thought that I would do, right? Um, I'd start stealing, started lying, I started doing all kinds of wild stuff. I actually uh, got a job working in a bar. <clears throat> there was a place that had penny pitchers of beer and 50-cent well drinks, right, before 9 o'clock. I don't care who you are, a penny pitcher of beer is a value, right? I could go in there and get shitfaced, and enough, and I got drunk in this guy's place, and he said, Cody... I can't have you in here drunk, sick like this all the time. He said, you want a job? I said, yes, sir, I sure do. You know, started icing down beer and, and made this little old cocktail waitress. Well, about that time, we lived in, I lived in Abilene, Texas. And it's not too far down to Del Rio. So if you had an entrepreneurial spirit like I do, uh, you could go down there. And I was doing coke in the Corona Club with this old boy, and a guy walked up, and he said, hey, can I sit with y'all? And I kind of gave him an old bulldog stare, and he reached out and dropped a whole bunch of pills down on the table. Now, we didn't take Xanax back then, but the benzo that we used to take was Valium, right? I don't know if you, some of you guys are older. We used to get those old blue tins down there in Mexico. Well, I said, man, it's great. You could go into the pharmacy and ask for anything you wanted. They'd write you a prescription for three months and give it to you, and you could take it back across. It's like, this, this is exactly what a guy need, like me needs to do I need free access to a pharmacy, right? So I started going down. I'd buy a bunch of pills. I'd come back. I'd sell them. I was doing all of that kind of stuff. Still, and what I was doing is I was mixing the Xanax. I was mixing the meth. And I'm going to tell you something I've had, and I ate a bunch of acid and and tripped a bunch. I had the most vivid, crazy hallucinations doing methamphetamines and taking benzodiazepine. I'm going to tell you what, it scared me. It really did. Uh, I was down there around New Year's one day at uh, one time, and I got all twisted off and ate a bunch of those and and had some crazy hallucinations. I called my old man. I said, buddy, i got to get into treatment. And he told him what was going on, so he got me in a place in Stephenville, Texas. Uh, I won't say the name of it, but uh, they did give us a big book. We never opened it, right? We talked about the super intellect and the id and all of those really cool stuff, but not about the book. I was there about two weeks, probably 22 years old. you're 22 years old, you're in treatment for about two or three weeks. The juices start flowing right. Everything starts working again. You're fired up. You're working out. There she comes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Y'all ever see a, you ever been in one of the big old Catholic cathedrals where there's a light behind the saint's head? Yeah. When I see a female prospect, that's always what it looks like to me. It's like, uh-huh. Right? Skin was all gray, puke all in her hair, you know what I mean? God's bring her to me, bro. You know? Start talking to her, right? I was like, so what are you going to do after treatment? She said, I'm going to sober living. Counselor asked me, what are you going to do after treatment? I'm going to sober living. Right? We went, ended up going to a co-ed sober house. If you have an opportunity to do that, I would avoid it at all costs. It was a horrible experience there. First, first uh, time I'd ever been around heroin addicts or anything like that. Guys, you know, and my story goes on and on like that for years, and I I started going to meetings in 2001, wife got pregnant, and I would go, I went to five meetings a week for three years. We did this open discussion garbage agnosium. Nobody ever talked about being recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Right? I had felt like I had done AA to the best of my ability. At three and a half years sober, <clears throat> I was sitting at my grandfather's desk, uh, I bought his house, hold on a second, uh, and I had a bottle of whiskey and a pistol. And either I was going to drink or I was going to shoot myself. Thank God I drank. Thank God I drank that day. Because I wouldn't be here today. So if your options are to drink or to shoot yourself, drink. Because if you're breathing, we can still get you sober again. Right? If you put a bullet in your head, you're not going to come back from that. Guys, so and I lost a lot of friends to suicide since I've been sober this time. I ended up getting down to Kerrville, Texas and I fell in with some guys uh, that were going to this meeting and it was electric. You could feel it. They were talking about working all the steps and sponsoring guys quick and doing their amends. It was like they were speaking a different language to me. And I said, you know what? I've got to have some of that. And I fell in with some guys and they taught me some of these things. So we're going to kind of go over them a little bit. And I'm, I'm going to be looking at my phone, guys. It's just because I don't want to run over on time. So if you guys are cool with that, everybody good with that? All right. So what I really love about the big book, guys, is it builds on each other. So usually the first page or so in in every chapter, it it gives you a small review of the preceding chapter. So when we agnostics, if we're talking about step two, it asks us those qualifying questions. It says, if when you really want to, you cannot stop entirely, or when you start, you don't know how much you're going to take. And I could read it verbatim, but those, those are pretty much the two questions there. It says, if honestly when you want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if drinking, you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably an alcoholic. See, we're just reviewing what we've gone to before. For me, step two was, was pretty simple because I always thought there was something out there trying to get in there where I was at, right? I always knew there was something else out there. Because like, I just did so much speed, I would just, I knew that there was some other dimension out there, and I didn't have access to it. But the thing that this is really talking about is getting in touch with this power that can recreate our lives. Only drug addicts ask themselves a question. Accept spiritual help, go on to the bitter end, right? Only drug addicts go, I don't know, man. I, You know, right? Normal people don't do that. Normal people don't do that. We look at that and go, oh, yeah, I need to accept spiritual help." right? We're the only people that do that. The truth is, is, like I didn't want to be doing the things that I was doing, right? I didn't, want to, I didn't want to cheat on my wife. I didn't want to steal those horses. I didn't want to do that stuff, and I, and I didn't want to use, right? I remember the day my daughter was born, and they laid her in my arms, and I looked down at her beautiful little face, and it was like, no matter how much I loved her, she didn't have the power to keep me sober, right? And it crushed me because I thought, man, if I was just a better person, I could stay sober for my family. If I was just a better person, if I just had this, if I just had that. But the truth is, is I didn't have the power to do that. If I had the power to just stop, right, I wouldn't be in here, right? I wouldn't be doing AA. I'd be a normal guy. I just don't have that kind of power. That power's got to come from somewhere else. The cool piece about about what we get to do in step two is we get to figure out, That there's something else out there that nobody can really define or comprehend. So on 46 it says, uh, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we we commenced to get results. Even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define and comprehend the power of this God. That means that I will never be able to fully define and comprehend the power of this God. My sponsor won't. The Pope, I'm sure he's a great guy, but he can't fully define and comprehend the power that's God. It's not within us in human nature. Okay? But the the promise right after that, it says that that the realm of the Spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive to those who honestly seek. We believe that God does not make too hard a turn for those who seek him. So the real question in step two is do I believe or am I even willing to believe in a power that nobody can fully define or comprehend? Do I have some willingness to do this stuff? What I like to do with the guys I work with is I want to talk to them. Are your personal experience, my personal experience has validity. Y'all know, I told y'all, I don't, I, don't, I don't think with this accent, right? It's got to be tangible. And my personal experience with this power is tangible to me. And all of us, every person in this room has experienced a power that you fully can't define or comprehend. Okay? Does anybody know what the word quantum entanglement means? Anybody? Of course not. I told y'all. I told y'all. All right. So what it is, is it's an Einstein theory that says if two atoms are in close proximity to each other, they can go out in infinite time and space. And when one moves, the other one moves. Okay? I'll give you a little for instance. This is real quick. My Adam drawing is probably not very good. But... So if they're in close proximity and they go out an infinite time and space, when this one moves, the other one moves at the exact same time. Everybody in this room has experienced that. Have you ever thought about somebody or started to talk about them and they called you on the cell phone? Right? Or have you called somebody and then go, dude, I was just telling a story about you, right? That's quantum entanglement, okay? That's a power that nobody can fully define or comprehend. That's something out there that we've all had some experience with. Just a little bit of willingness to believe that there's something else out there that you don't know about is what we need to make a start. That's the cornerstone, of our foundation, of our spiritual foundation, is this willingness to believe that there's something out there. See, step two says, came to believe, right? It doesn't say a bolt of lightning hit my fat redneck ass and all of a sudden I believe in God, right? It doesn't say that. It says I come to believe over this period of time that this power is going to restore me to sanity. Well, how long is that going to be? I got a bunch of smart-ass sponsees. They want to say, how long is that going to be? Then I go, I go right to the 10-step promises like my man was reading earlier. And I said, it talks about for this time sanity has returned, right? We are not interested in liquor. The body of the work between 2 and 10 is where we begin to have this spiritual experience. And we come to believe that this power restores us to sanity. When we get down to 10 and we look back and say, oh, yeah, I, I do believe. I may have just been willing right there but I've got some tangible results when I get down here to 10. Okay, guys? So in the body of work, that's when I'm going to come to believe in this power, right? It doesn't say that, that we have to believe, have this belief in step two. That's that's just a little quick synopsis, and and we're going to be running out of time if I don't keep on trudging through here. Something else I I noticed last night when I was kind of going over this stuff is that Bill talks over and over about miracles and he talks about them um, a lot in we agnostic uh, that this power has has committed to get the miraculous and I want to tell you guys that your sobriety right is a miracle for guys that use drugs and drank like I did to be sober is nothing short of miraculous and yours is too Something else that, that, that I'm directly, my willingness to believe in something spiritual is directly proportional to how much I've had my, my ass kicked by alcohol and drugs. Okay? So the more I can relate with the bedevilments, right, I'm having trouble in personal relationships. Right? I couldn't control my emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. It says pray, P-R-E-Y, not pray, P-R-A-Y. Pray, P-R-E-Y. So it's like, y'all ever watch Wild Kingdom, or Discovery Channel? And y'all see a lion going after a gazelle? That's what misery and depression are doing. I'm, it's prey. It's on my ass. When I'm in the malady, spiritual warfare, I'm losing to prey. I'm, I'm prey to that misery and depression. It goes on to say that I can't make a living. Not that I can't hold a job, but I'm not able to keep a hold of my money. I can't make a living. No matter how much money I make, it's never enough. It's never enough. But the most, most powerful one to me is, is that I'm useless. I can't be of real help to other people. And that's all I've ever really wanted is to make a benefit in somebody's life. Right? Drugs and alcohol and a spiritual malady take that away from me. Okay? So if we, we keep on trudging along here <clears throat> into, into how it works... Really, where I like to start on how it works is not with how it works, cause because I sat in so many meetings and read, rarely have we seen a person fail who is thoroughly followed our path. It drives me crazy, right? I'm, I'm glad my home group, we, we don't, we, uh, we're a little different, so we don't do that. So I like to start with A, B, and C's, right? Same kind of deal. It's kind of a review of, of what we've talked about <clears throat> It says that we were were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives, right? Probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism and that God could and would if he were sought, right? Step three is made a decision to turn our will and life over to the care of God as we understood him, and as we understood him is in italics. So when I'm convinced of these three, nobody gets to DAA for their first time on a winning streak, right? Nobody's like, seven, 11, DAA. I get here because my life sucks, man. My life is in shambles, right? I cannot manage my own life. Nobody can fix it. Not my kids, not my wife, not my boss, not the right money in the bank, not the right pickup. Nothing outside can fix me. And God could and would have here, He better. He, you better. Because I don't have any other options at this time. Right? He goes on to say that the first requirement is that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. Right? Any life run on the way that I think and feel can hardly be a success. And that's, and I love what, what Christian was saying because this is what I do also is I take this, and it's written in the first person, uh, but I, or it's written in the third person, but I want to read it in the first person, okay? Because it gives me an opportunity. If I put my name in there where it says we, it gives me an opportunity to tie myself to the literature, okay? And it really comes alive if I personalize this stuff around step three, all right? So it's like the first requirement is that Cody be convinced that any life run on The way that Cody thinks and feels or Cody's self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, Cody is almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though Cody's motives are good. Always. You guys know, y'all know what King Midas is? Y'all know who that is? Right? The golden touch. Everything you touch turns into gold. Right? I had the opposite of that. Right? Everything I touched turned into shit. Right? Everything, I was always in collision with something or somebody, even though my motives were good. In my mind, they were good, right? So I like to go through that, and I, I want to read that stuff in between the A, B, and C's and the third step prayer. I want to try to read that and, and say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take we, I'm going to put my name in there. And it's like, Cody is the actor trying to run the whole show. He's forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, and the scenery right? Everything would be perfect, right? Everybody would be happy, including Cody, right? If you would just do what I told you to do, right? And I'm the victim of the delusion that I can rest satisfaction, right? If I just manage well, if I can just manage this situation right, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be successful. It's a lie, it's a lie that I fall victim to. It's like a freaking David Copperfield trick. Right? I fall victim to it all the, all the time. And it's like, you know, when I first came to AA, everybody was like, oh, turn it over, turn it over, turn it over. Turn it over. You need to turn that over. Right? Remember hearing all that shit? Yeah, I don't remember. Nobody ever told me how. Right? Nobody ever told me how. Turn, right, is a verb. Okay? A verb is describes action. Okay? I have to take some action. That's what I've got to do here. So if I'm and I'll rock along through here and and read this. The the first time I (laughs) this is kind of funny. You guys are gonna kick out of this. First time I ever did a third step like this. I was, I was at this treatment center, and I'd written out this fourth step. And they sent this guy out there to do my, my fifth step with me. Great big bear of a man. Had a head on him like a Rottweiler dog. I mean, just a big old gnarly old melon on him. <laughs> we sat down in this chapel, and I start, he starts talking to me about step one. and We start talking about step two, and then he looks at me, and he goes, What's your conception of God? I look at him like a calf looks at a new gate. I just went, "Is that like a trick question?" It's like I don't. He's like, "What's your conception of God?" I said, "I don't know. Uh, some guy on a cloud with a great big beard that's chiseling my name down every time I'm. Jer- I mean, I don't." <laughs> he goes, "You want to turn your will and life over to that?" And I was like, "No way, bro. I don't." So he's like, "Well, well I'm going to help you do this conception of God." And it's something that's, that's pretty near and dear to me, and, and we're, I'm going to do this real quick with you guys, because it's, it was super, super beneficial. So, <clears throat> on page 62, at the very bottom of the paragraph, it says, this and the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided, hereafter in this drama of life, God is going to be our director. He is the principal, we are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch in which we passed to freedom. He had me read that, and then he looked at me He said, now, rogue scholar, he said, there's some words in that paragraph that are capitalized. What's that mean? And I said, well, I guess that means that it, it, they're important. He's like, yeah, they're important. He's like, take out a piece of paper, and I want you to do this real quick. He had me do this. It's real simple. He said, write out director, right? Principal. Father. Right? Agent. And child over here. Okay. Then he goes, who's your favorite movie director? At that time, uh, I was a big Tarantino fan, right? This is, this is before Hateful Eight and all that stuff, but it was like, you know, Reservoir Dog, it was still a little bit more indie, and, and uh, he's like, who's your favorite movie director? I said, Tarantino. He was like, why? What are some good aspects of your favorite movie director? And I want you guys to ask yourself that. If you're thinking about a, a conception of God, What? so my favorite thing about him is he sees the big picture, right? He sees it, the flashbacks and the flash forwards. I don't know if you guys... Uh, following me here, but he sees the big picture. The, for me, the best aspect of a good director is he sees the big picture, right? Okay? The next one is that he's helpful to his actors, or he gives direction, right? So he's helpful. Right? And then, I was confused when he said principal because I was talking about the principal that used to you know, put the, we used to get whipped in school. I don't know. We used to get our butts busted. But Bill was a high finance guy. So he's talking about a CEO. What are some good aspects of a CEO? Right? So he cares about, for me, he cares about the, the, the product of the workload. And he cares for employees, Right? You guys can put whatever you want in here if you're doing this. And then he was like, what are some good aspects of a father? Now my father was kind of a, a redneck prick, <clears throat> so I didn't use him. But what are some good aspects of a father? He was like I was like loving, caring, right? Loving, caring. All right, what are some good aspects of an agent, like a representative? So I put representative, right? Right? Good work ethic. And a child, right? So what are some good aspects of a child? Innocent, right? Loving. All those good things. All right. He said, hereafter in this drama of life, God is going to see the big picture. He's going to be helpful to you. He's going to care about your product. He's going to care about you. He's going to love and and have these things for you. And you're going to be this agent. You're going to be this child. You're going to be a representative of God, right? He was like, that's your conception. And I... And it was like, it was something that was so foreign to me that I could come up with this simple conception of a loving, caring, understanding God, and that I had some direction on what I was supposed to be like too. Because see, step three, step three is not just to deal with God, step three is a covenant with God, right? You guys know what the Hebrews used to have to do to make a covenant with God? You know snip the tip boy I, just, I don't know if I want to do that the truth is it's like we get to make this deal with God this covenant with God that he's going to take care of us right and what do I have to do is like I have to stay close to him and perform his work well what does that look like right that looks like work and self sacrifice for others that God's going to do for us because if you look at step three it's like we don't do step three so we can have a badass life and I do I have a great life. I'm 42 years old. <clears throat> I have a 28 year old wife, beautiful, you know, lover, packs my clothes for me, best woman I've ever met in my entire life. I love her to death. I get a, an opportunity to have a relationship with all of my kids and, and pay my child support on time. I get to wake up whenever I want, right? I get to go hunting and fishing and do all the kinds of country shit that I want to do. I have a great life. Now, God didn't give me that great life to be selfish with it, right? He gave me a great life so I can say, you know what, buddy? If you'll do this work, you can have whatever kind of life you want. The world is yours. He removes our difficulties so that victory over them can bear witness to others of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. That's what step three is about, right? It's not about me having a great life. It's about me testifying that to somebody else that they can have a great life it's about this this opportunity to be of service in the long run guys I've had a lot of people ask me about what what God's will and what my will look like so I was raised in the country right always been kind of like a little old fat kid but I'd been to town, like I said. You guys know what a slip and slide is? Yes, right? So when you're a little old fat country kid, a slip and slide is fun. I'd been to a birthday party in town. You know, they, they put this big old yellow thing out on a manicured yard, put some Dawn soap on it, put some water on it, right? little old fat Cody would run and jump, slide like hell. That is fun for a little old country kid. So my birthday's at the end of the summer in August and I was on my old man, of course, this is back when he was drinking. He'd be like, clean your room, tie your shoes, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'd, I'd do it if I had a slip inside, Pops. I'd do it if I had a slip inside. All summer long, I was on him about it. You know what we have in the country? Blue tarp. Blue tarp. Y'all know what blue tarp is? Old man spread that out on a cliche road, threw some water on it. little fat Cody, run, jump. I didn't slide. man? The truth is, is when my will and God's will are lined up, it's just like that little fat kid on the slip and slide. Everything flows, right? I'm not hitting locked doors. I'm just riding that wave, right? When my will and God's will are aligned, everything flows. And when I'm getting road rash and I'm hitting locked doors and I'm picking cleachy out of my butt, I'm in Cody's will. That's the truth for me that I can always test when my will and God's will are lined up because everything flows smoothly, okay? Guys, I just want to let y'all know that, that this deal is completely possible for anybody. If you're, if you're not through the work, please get with somebody who's, who's been recovered and has, a, and, and has a message of hope because we need you on the firing lines of life. Every person in this room is specifically qualified to help somebody else. You guys are going to be able to reach people that I can't reach, right? You're going to be specifically qualified to help those people who come in this door. And if you're not here, they might die. Guys, we need you on the firing lines of life for this. I sure appreciate y'all coming down here. Thank you so much. Taylor C and I'm a drug addict. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe or follow and look out for more episodes coming soon.